finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan. Entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, sir. <laughs> I can't believe that, that looked just like a phone number. So I went, oh, well, hell, I'm just calling. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. As, as you put your phone number, I was like, yeah, it does look like a phone number. It like, it like it's okay. <laughs> but given that I'm a retired technical geek, it's pretty silly. <laughs> and I've been hosting Zoom meetings. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say. I didn't say. I didn't say oh, it. I think in honor of your greatness, we should change the channel just for today to do it with Tom. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, I'm such a humble guy. <laughs> such a humble guy. Everyone listening in, I would love to Nay, it is my honor, my joy, uh, <laughs> to introduce Mr. Tom Crass. Um, he and I have connected in ways that you would not even begin to understand. However, he's just a really cool guy, great wisdom. Uh, I just wanted to just jump on with him, share space, and, and let you guys listen in on that. So, um, awesome. Tom, I'd like to talk about the fact that you go out into the wild from time yeah. to time. Because for those of you that don't know Tom, which is going to be most of you, uh, Tom is out in Alaska, so we're doing this quite digitally over Zoom, aren't we? Not from oh. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from time to time, you just pop down into the in, out into the wilderness and sure. take the family out there and just chill out and reconnect. Talk to us about that. Sure. So um, one of the things that uh, is unconventional, one of the things that uh, is unique about my life experience, and it's not all Alaskans. A typical Alaskan lives in Anchorage, the largest city, in a condominium, doesn't mm -hmm. hunt or fish, mm -hmm. and that all they do is go to movies and restaurants like any other urbanite. Sure. So I was born here and my parents <laughs> were very poor. And so a lot of my experiences are uh, just trying to stay alive and learning how to stay alive. And uh, <clears throat> early on in my life, I did some pretty wild things. Um, not wild, like illegal, but wild, like, you know, things that were involved uh, a risk of life and limb often. Mm -hmm. um, I built cabins in the bush. I mean, where you go in in the fall and you, and you fell the trees and you strip the bark off and leave them sit for a season. And then the next come back and you come in and build the cabin. Wow. And um, what I used to do for fun as a young man is we'd see how long we could go out in the bush and stay. And we got to the point where you literally with a little flower and a few things uh, and you pack for like four or five days, you could literally stay forever. Wow. And uh, that's not even a big deal. There are people that do this, rare it's rare now but back in my day that was very common um people would go months well they lived their whole life in the bush and not need anything mm -hmm. there was a man that lived uh maybe 100 miles south of here that missed world war one and world war two he missed both world war <laughs> he, missed both he was, in, he was war. just sitting in the bush he was in the bush he lived in the bush he'd come in he came in just before World War One and bought some supplies. And he said, I don't think I'll need anything for a while. He came back in 1950 <laughs> and, and said, so what's been, he didn't say what's been going on. He wanted to know what had been happening. And the people just, you know, the locals believed it because that's common here. 
people would go into the bush and not come out for years. So was he I there lived, by himself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. By himself for 30 years? Yeah. And my experience with that is when I get off in the bush for like six or eight months at a time by myself, I get really odd. I, uh, people don't uh, <laughs> show up. You know in this work how, how uh, when you meditate a lot and you're kind of focused on um, other, something other than yourself, when you get away from human beings for like, oh, I don't know, six months, a year, mm -hmm. um, and you come back into that, they show up as very odd. <laughs> <laughs> we do some very weird things. And on the more visceral level, uh, we smell bad and, and we do really odd things for breath. <laughs> Because when your smell is starts to orient itself towards its more natural tendencies, yeah, uh, and you're not putting all these perfumes and things on, you come back to civilization. It's like these people stink. <laughs> 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 and then, and then you look around and people talk to you just to make idle chatter, and you go, yeah. "What are you doing? Go." So, so in a way, that time reconnecting back to nature and cutting off from civilization and so on. It almost gives you a chance to reconnect to what really matters because all of the superfluous stuff that we throw into society to make it work when you sure. come away from it you come back to it it becomes um more noticeable just how much bullshit we have in our life right oh god yes oh my god yes it's uh, so i'm going to take you and Foz out a couple of times yeah and um i i, I know i'm not there's no doubt in my mind. You guys will get connected immediately. It's a, it's a very, uh, what it, uh, the feeling is just like, you know, those feelings of love and joy you get in your heart center mm -hmm. and you kind of light up sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine that ongoingly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I really don't want to go back. But no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had, um, I recorded, I haven't released it yet, but I recorded a, an episode with a, a really amazing self called Heather. Uh, about two weeks ago. And again, it was just a very, we just let the conversation flow and see, saw where it went. Sure. And one of the places we ended up going was this whole thing about what is the divine thing or the thing that we call divine or God, whatever, and how do you connect to it? And what we ended up realizing is that one of the most beautiful ways to just to connect to that divine principle is just to get back into nature, like sure. nature. Mm -hmm. um, because I actually, before, you know, obviously I'm a regular meditator now, but before meditation, the space that I felt it the most was just looking up at a starry sky at night. Sure. And many years ago when I lived in, um, um, uh, the, the, on the Scottish coast, one of the reasons why I loved the village that I lived in so much is because at night it just looked like angels had just dusted icing sugar on the sky because sure. it was so clear. And I could just literally just lie on the grass and just look up at the sky and just feel that, that feeling. Yeah. So yeah. I can imagine when you're, remember you were saying like, there's no cell phone signal, nothing. You're just there in the bush <laughs> with just nature. Yeah. It's almost like you are literally ripped out from the matrix. Yeah. And well, just forced to plug into to the, to the good stuff. It shows, it shows up as very subtle and very gentle and, and energetic. Mm. And so uh, what it looks like is I'm walking around with a, with this smile on my face all the time and going, 
And I, my wife knows about it, and she's a very stabilizing influence in my life because I kind of get out there pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that in action. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she goes, well, what about this and this? And, you know, there are bears, Tom. Maybe we should, no, no, bears are okay. And so anyway, so there's some conversation goes on there. <laughs> um, bears are actually okay. And there's actually nothing wrong with getting close to bears but you never run from a bear. You never, there's a bunch of my, the lady in my office here is laughing because she ran from a bear one time after my many admonitions not to run from bears. This is like a dog. You run from a dog, what do they do? They they yeah, you run towards the dog, what do they do? They, they run away. Mm. And generally. <laughs> Depending well, on the temperament of the dog. Yeah, well, large predators are pretty much the same way. Lions, tigers, bears, they, when you run towards them, they go, uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> and reconsider their move, and uh, yeah. same thing. But generally, bears are very, have a very singular energy. Mm -hmm. They're interested in eating. They're interested in having their mating season. They're interested in being left alone. Yeah. And um, that's it. And if you're not bothering them, they don't care. But anyway, so bears. But bears, bears are, I always wondered this. Mm -hmm. Do bears work in packs or do they, are they solitary animals? No, and I'm being very general. Um, generally speaking. Generally speaking, no, they're solitary. And uh, uh, females with cubs will teach them how to hunt and like that. Mm -hmm. And polar bears are extremely dangerous. And um, whenever I'm on that coast, I always carry a large boar rifle. And if they come towards you, they want to eat you. They consider humans a food source. Yeah, of course. So, more polar bears today than they were but because of the because of the increase in polar bears on the northern coast of Alaska uh, people have become more and more <coughs> nervous around that mm -hmm. uh, being general again but anyway polar bears are dangerous brown bears black bears not so much um, mm -hmm. you need to be careful and appropriate but the most dangerous animal in Alaska after people <laughs> <laughs> um, after people is uh, our moose. Moose. Moose kill uh, a couple really? of people. Yeah. Moose. Yes, that's the, and you know most people don't realize that, and they have that look on their face like you have now. It's like, yeah. really? They look <laughs> like they're harmless. No, they get quite angry, and they will stop oh, you. Big horns, don't they? They can just come and they they bite you with their head. The cows are more dangerous than the bulls. And uh, they're very dangerous. Yeah. So, and they don't scare off like big predators. Big predators will scare off. A thousand pound bear will run away from you. I showed it to my wife. She thought I was nuts. She said, what are yeah. you doing? You yeah. run right at the bear and he runs off. Moose, yeah. no. Okay. Yeah, they'll just stomp you right in the ground. That's yeah. really, really interesting. I wouldn't have thought that at all. Yeah. Well, the people I've talked to that have lived with dangerous game before, uh, particularly lions, leopards, like that mm -hmm. in Africa. They pretty much have the same view of them as I have of bears. They're not the dangerous ones. The dangerous ones are the ungulates, you know, like the uh, the greater kudus and like that. That yeah, they get aggressive and they butt you or elephants uh, if they don't like you. Um, but anyway, yeah. I'm I'm pontificating on animals, but <laughs> uh, my my relationship with them is generally very good, and I just leave them alone and. Mm -hmm the bears and sometimes we'll go out and we'll go for a hike and we'll watch bears for two or three hours i'm looking forward to coming out and doing that we've um we've definitely um we've, we've actually sorted out our schedule for next year oh very cool so very cool. Um, july 
so we've yep. found delight and also we've put in the diary uh, we've blocked out because obviously we're going to do the relief work in Cambodia from the 19th which we told you about which mm -hmm. guys are coming along and we've got a meeting about that actually in a couple of days um but yeah like the first part of January if you guys are going to be going to do the wine yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. we haven't planned that part of our life yet uh, that's the other thing I tend to be a wine geek and uh um, Alaskans are one of those weird groups of people, particularly most of us have lived here a long time. We travel a lot. Most of us speak a second language. There are a hundred spoken languages in Fairbanks where I live. A hundred. Yeah. And, and I, I speak bad German and bad Spanish. You know, I'm, I'm a piker. But it's very common here to walk into a place and I had a large Eskimo gentleman work for me. He spoke German, Spanish, Nupiak, and English. They so spoke four languages. Wow. Yeah, he's written, he wrote two books and he had some other interesting issues in his life, but I eventually let him go. But um, he's still a friend and he's a nice guy, but that's relatively common here. And it's like, you know, you get painted a picture, right? Yeah, uh, you were saying there's a lot of misconceptions about, about uh, Alaska. Because remember, I, I didn't even know, <laughs> I'm not going to confess on camera <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, you, you've said there's there's a lot of common misconceptions. But in life, we get that, don't we? People have um, form opinions and they have um, ideas about things. Sure. And then it takes uh, gelling with people from a different, or for example, I'm speaking to an Alaskan and getting the inside track on it, right? And right. so those misunderstandings or those uh, incorrect ideas that I had about Alaska, you kind of clean them up for me, right? Oh, very good, very good. And one of the things that's awesome is that there are all these, where was I gonna go with this? There are lots of misconceptions, but it's really easy to overcome them. But the other piece of that is people move to a place because they believe all the hype. Mm. And so they'll they'll be imbued, which is probably the right word, with this these beliefs, just <laughs> beliefs, that things are a certain way in that area. Mm. I talk to people literally all over the world like that. I was talking to a young man in Bariloche, and uh, he's a fishing guide. And I, I said, so, and I was explaining that people come to where I live, and they've got all these things they've seen on television and movies, and they think it's like that, and they start living like that. <laughs> the locals are going, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and. And he said, yeah, they come here, they do the same thing. It's very common. Humans, it's a very common human thing mm -hmm. to go to a place because it's, it's been publicized, advertised, and we buy it in mm -hmm. our programming, and we get on that little hamster wheel, and mm -hmm. off we go into that little world. We think it's like that, mm -hmm. and try to make it just like the place we left because that was comfortable. And so we're making the place we want to go to to change like the place we left so we don't change so we feel comfortable because we like the way that change works yeah it's all about so keeping, keeping familiar that view in place right yep yep mm. yep nothing new under the sun nothing new i talked to a archaeologist in egypt in 1970 and he explained that to me very clearly he said he was explaining all the anyway all the uh very interesting things that happened during the egyptian period wow. and uh, that was my wild period when i was wanted to go to the khan Kali at night and the and the locals, humans are actually really decent. Locals <laughs> were restraining us, two crazy guys from Alaska. They wanted to go to the Concoli at night. They said, no, those people will kill you. Don't do it. <laughs> we're going, no, no, we really want to go. No, we're not going to let you go. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, they didn't sit on us, but almost. 
you're here today to, to, to hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is that um, the number one misconception about Alaska that you've experienced from people? Oh my God. Uh, there, there are, uh, first there were a bunch of rednecks that were running around in the woods with guns on our back. Okay. And um, our politics are actually funny. We're I would say primarily libertarian in orientation. Mm -hmm. uh, we tend to support the Republican part, which is a more conservative part of the government because we want less government, less intrusion. Mm -hmm. They keep giving us more from Washington, D.C. <laughs> it's a common. Um, so culturally, we're uh, also a discreet group. We act like Americans in terms of our language and our posturing. And, um, but there's some fundamental differences. Um, the first thing that's probably unique here that's actually been diluted because of the people coming here with his preconceptions is it used to be unheard of to leave someone was stopped by the side of the road. You always stop because and help them because there was never enough people here. We didn't have emergency services that were good enough to support a population that the population we had. So you had to help each other. If you didn't, that person would die. Of course. So you always help somebody. And you'll find that same cultural ethic in pretty much in all the Arctic peoples and sub-Arctic peoples, the Swedes, the Norwegians, the Finns, the Northern Russians, mm -hmm. uh, the Northern Canadians, mm -hmm. they're all, we're all very similar. So that where that cultural group, the national group is totally artificial. Mm -hmm. but the Russians that I've run into that have lived in Northern Russia and Arctic Russia, pretty much the same value system. Don't, you can't count on anybody, you gotta count on each other. Wouldn't you say that then um, that connection back to almost a, a primal way of living has meant that as society has evolved and evolved away from the natural way of doing things and become more me, 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 yeah. uh, lack of respect for nature and its resources and stuff. Sure. Would you sure. say that's what you're seeing there? You're seeing that, okay, because there's been a need to maintain that connection to the natural way of doing things. Absolutely neighborliness has remained and then as people have migrated down and clustered into big cities and become which is funny because the more of us that come into one area and the closer we come physically they actually energetically emotionally the more uh, disconnected we become right the busier yes. city is the more yeah. people feel within it right exactly but what's really unique about that is that it's not unique now you'll find that the same thing is true with uh in much of the Mexican culture, which is why I really love the Hispanic, well, generally the Hispanics, but specifically Mexicans, you'll see like when they had the last earthquake, mm -hmm. they didn't count on anybody. They just, they had so many volunteers, the Red Cross had to turn them away. Okay. <laughs> That's cool as hell. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things that they did during their earthquake is they, they had an earthquake in the 80s and they said, well, government didn't do a really great job. So, what we're going to do is have a volunteer force, and we're going to train dogs, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. So when they had this last earthquake, there was a minimal loss of human life. Mm -hmm. The locals reacted. They had lots of volunteers. People flew in from all over the world, but they didn't need them. They were helping themselves just fine. Mm -hmm. And they, that ethic um, you'll see in, in Arctic cultures. You'll see in some Hispanic cultures. And in Argentina, I've seen the same thing. They had a financial meltdown. The whole government went away. Mm -hmm. And so the locals with a minimum loss of life, <clears throat> the locals formed groups. They formed policing groups. They formed fire brigades. They did it all voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Their society just 
is designed like that, and they started to coalesce. So human beings would learn a lot. We would learn a lot generally from specific groups that do really well to radical change or disaster. Mm. And, um, and it's just not lasting. It's all Arctic people. Some Hispanic cultures I've noticed in is really, uh, it's wonderful to see. It just brings a tear to your eye to watch this stuff and people go, oh, that's really cool. That's the way it ought to work. And it does in those areas. It should work, isn't it? People coming yeah. together. Yeah. Helping each other, supporting each other. Um, because we are stronger together. I know it sounds like so, so cliche, but we are much stronger together. Um, oh, absolutely. And every time that we see that experienced as humans, then we see the evidence of it. Or we see the evidence of it every every single time. Sure. Generally, when you think about it, generally, it's actually the smaller pockets of society which actually push the agenda of not being together, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the small pockets of people that sort of look out for themselves. But generally speaking, I mean, if we mapped out, if we made the world 100 people, you know, represented by 100 people, we'd probably find 70, 80% of people had that at least the, the um, sure. predisposition to that way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. So there's another piece of that too, to that puzzle. And, and uh, I, don't want, I, I don't want to get you too far afield here, but one of the things that people are now organizing into is kind of forget the author's name. I read a couple of his books, but people are organizing into what he called them, the author called them as files. I can't remember the author's name. Mm-hmm. And so there's these groups that organize, like, like you and I are part of a, a slightly larger group, mm-hmm. and like the reunion, mm-hmm. reunion group. Yeah. Well, what if, for whatever reason, we're all connected in some fundamental way. Yeah. I have a lot of suspicions as why, but I don't know why. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, how human beings are connected and how, how one person is kind of overlooks and watches another. And, and for no particular reason, you have no connection to this human being like me with you. There's, I, have, I never met you before, like, I don't know, what is it, about a year ago? And uh, when did we meet the first time? February. Did wasn't it before that? No. Oh, never mind. I've got something else going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so let me put it another way. So, people are fundamentally connected, and and now with electronic media. Um, everything from Facebook to uh, Reddit to Zoom meetings to you can connect with people all over the planet very quickly. Exactly. And, and so you have these connections now that people have these really odd interests and now they can connect. Um, uh, it's easier to find your tribe. I was saying this because um, obviously I'm just working on the redraft of the Dreamers Manifesto and in there when I was admonishing people that you can find the health support and common people that uh, have things sure. aligned with your dream and that can support your dream. The world is such a small place now because of technology. Literally anything that you're interested in, you right. can find some sort of mobilization, even if it's one or two other people, you can find your tribe. Even if your tribe is the, the sum total of two people, including you, you can yeah. find them now. Yeah, yeah. And you and can so, you know, Libertarian wine geeks that like cross-dressers underwater, you know, in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you've got 500 people exactly. that are into that. Exactly, that's, exactly. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. There's no need to feel alone, which is, I think, which is one of the, the, obviously there's, you know, some ugly things that people have associated with technology. Although, 
I was um, listening to something interesting about that the other day. Uh, I think it's great that we have now got a society wherein you do not have to be alone. Nobody has to be alone. No. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I really do think it's a beautiful thing. And I mean, look, we're thousands of miles away and yet we can share space and share energy and catch up near enough pretty much every, every couple of days, right? Every day, sure. every couple of days we get to do that. And that's sure. a beautiful thing. I like that. Yeah, really, that's really awesome. Cool. So I think people are organizing and it's outside the other social influences, which is very cool, yeah. including government, which I have an inherent healthy distrust of. Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden people are organizing on their own, mm -hmm. but not in any other way other than sharing common interests, sharing yeah. common things about the world. So you find people that are literally all over the planet that, and you can coalesce into a group of maybe 500 people and not more than 20 years ago, those people would have never met. Mm. And so I think we're seeing a fundamental, the beginnings of a fundamental social change mm. from that perspective. Yeah. But anyway, you're writing about that, and I suspect that uh, you're going to uncover much of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, I mean, for, for, for me, when I was doing the research into it, whatever, in order to, to write the, the, the areas of, of, of the Dreamers Manifesto, I was really looking at, the whole thing of so for me one of the people might look at oh he's written a book about this he talks about that on his podcast and then i look at his content on facebook and it's that or you know he's done that but for me all of it points to the same mission all that i'm doing is reducing the friction between you and your dream by removing the excuses so now for example you can't say no matter what's going on in your life you, you find it very difficult to convince me that time or the lack of time was an excuse for achieving your dream or bringing your dream to life because I've removed that with um, my book from time to time. Um, now you can't say I'm alone. There's nobody else like me. There's nobody that can help me because we deal with that in the section that we deal with in the dreamers manifesto. We, we remove that excuse. Very cool. People might look at some of the guests that I have on the podcast and they'll be like, okay, that's cool. But really all I was doing is I was giving you an example of someone that's doing something, which means that another a whole bunch of excuses is completely gone, completely gone. And now with the stuff that we're doing, I just literally had a meeting, um, an e-meeting today, crazy. Um, we're starting up something called um, Dream Incubator pop-ups now, which are going to be really, really, really cool. We're actually going to lock that up next week. So by the time this podcast comes out, we may even have actually launched the website and everything. We've got dreamerhq.com. Very cool. I've got that. Um, all of the events are going to be run through there. We've got some, a couple of forums. Uh, we're doing a, a mindfulness summit next year. We've reached out to some new age people on that. But the, the Dream Incubator pop-up, the idea is this. Much the way that a TEDx is independently, independently organized, but licensed and run according to certain conditions, people can set up a pop-up and that will be they gather the people, we'll, we'll do a lot of the advertising. We're gonna be advertising every time that there's one up and putting it out on the internet so people can find you. So people come along to the incubator pop-up, uh, we'll have a maximum of maybe 10 people for each pop-up. And then everybody has 60 seconds to present their idea, whether it's a project, um, a business, a community idea, a movement, or something that they want to share. You have 60 seconds to give your elevator speech. So we go around, Go around. And then once everyone's gone um, on the app, 
your vote. And then whoever has the most votes then gets to do a 10 minute presentation expanding on the elevator speech. Everybody gets a chance to then critique it for 20 minutes thereafter. And then afterwards, everyone just has a little networking and mixes mixes up. So we're going to have them in like in hotels and so like that, so people can sit and have a drink and catch up and maybe have a meal together, whatever. And then what's going to happen is everybody who passed that initial stage gets to submit their 10 minute talk plus uh, um, an executive summary of their project into Dream HQ. We are then going to assess those. And then the top 10 are going to come to a, um, a Dream Incubator Summit at the back end of next year, where we're going to have a panel and we're going to have a big audience. We're going to record the whole thing. And then we are going to make your presentation go viral from the stage. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So that's the Dream Incubator pop-up. So for example, you could start one up in Fairbanks. Yeah. Um, we'd advertise, yep, there's going to be one in Fairbanks. The organizer is Tom. Yeah. People come along, they pay a, a little subs just to cover costs. Um, do you need to get that? No, 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 I get it. They just cover some subs, you know, maybe $10, $20, whatever, just to cover the cost of, of running the event. Um, the 10 people would all give their elevator speech. Uh, and then you say, okay, guys, you know, we're going to do the vote now. The vote gets done anonymously. They're tallied. Then whoever wins the vote gets to stand up and do a 10-minute presentation. People can critique it. We'll videotape it so that you can take the critique with you away. We'll do the audio, whatever. So you can take the critique. You can go and think about it. And then you can present a presentation that comes into Dreamer HQ. And then we will sift through those applications and 10 of them will have a massive stage. We're talking about 1,500 people, uh, okay. a panel of, of uh, depending on the, 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 the range of ideas that we get coming in, we'll have a panel of maybe four or five leaders from around the world who you present your idea in front of. They would also critique it, but you get the chance to present your idea on a big stage. And we would push that. We would pay for that to be advertised places. Uh, we'll be looking at, um, we've already started to have a conversation with people for some TV exposure to get it on some TV networks and stuff like that for the actual summit, um, the back end of next year. So that's really, really, really exciting that we're doing. Awesome. So in that same vein, you could do, you could do a spin. Uh, you could take it and put it to an individual and say, why don't you, why don't you architect your own life? Start. Okay. This is where I want to be. This is how I want to be and architectures. You could use the same principles. Mm -hmm. You don't need to advertise it or promote it. You just need to allow people to express it and then have steps along the way. Uh, for example, um, you could say, for example, I want to be worth 300 million pounds by 2020. So what does that take? And, and work backwards. And you could have a format to do that same kind of thing, but on an individual scale. You with so me? How would that look for that? Talk, talk me through something. Uh, an example that, that you can talk me through. Let's say, for example, uh, you were the person who had the, the dream, the vision, the goal. Sure, sure. Well, actually, I did that. So, <laughs> so, so what I did was I was uh, working in it. I was, if you can imagine, I was in Seattle. I was working as a technical geek. I was a consultant, mm -hmm. and I hated it. Mm -hmm. uh, I was making a lot of money. I really didn't care about the money, because so I was clearly making enough money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how that works. Whenever people say that, that's how you know. Yeah, anyway, so, money doesn't matter. <laughs> money, so that means they have plenty. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 
So the next step was, what do I really want to do? Where do I really want to be? I want to be back in Alaska. I want to have a cabin. I want to have an established business. And I want to have a happy family. And I don't want to have any financial worries. And I don't want to have any interpersonal worries. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm there. That's where I am right now. And so what does that look like? And what did that take to do that? And so you just lay it out. And you can, architecting it is actually the simple part. Doing it and getting the motivation to doing it. Not letting obstacles stand in your way. That's the tough part. But that's what the whole thing for me, the, the whole thing of dream with your eyes open, my whole movement, dream with your eyes open is yeah. it's very easy to have a dream. It's very easy to have an idea. It's very easy to have a, a wish. Yes. Executing it, bringing it to life with the same passion and yep. color and clarity of that dream. That's the whole dream with your eyes open movement. And in fact, the Dreamers Manifesto is all about encouraging you and giving you a few. So Dreamers Manifesto is very much about here's some get up get up and do it you know yep. get up get off your bum and do it you believe in yourself a little bit it's the most in terms of motivational speaking i mean yeah i put on my facebook page i'm a motivational speaker but i wouldn't really class myself as a motivational speaker reason being is this if you were doing what you're truly passionate about if what you're doing was in line with your authentic self then why would you need to look at a complete and utter stranger on the internet to motivate you to do it exactly so my thing is Get in line with your authentic self. Get in line with what your actually your purpose really is, and get in line with what brings you joy. And yeah, there's going to be days when your energy is not going to be there 100. But you're not going to need a stranger to motivate you. You might just need a bit of downtime because the, you're going to oscillate right back round to I'm on it. I'm going to go and do it. I've had the same thing recently. I I gave up everything I was doing, and I'm doing this full time. And I wake up every morning, eager to get on with it. I struggle to go to sleep at night because I'm, I want to still do stuff. It's like I have to force myself to go to sleep because I still want to get on, get on with doing it. So, yeah, there are days when I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like writing for five hours a day. But then that's not something that will slip into a pattern of, oh, I don't want to do anything. It's just, maybe just need a bit of a break from it for today because I want to get back to it because I'm doing what actually brings me joy. So for me, my message really is, Rather than thinking about motivation, think about being in line with what brings you joy. Even the time management book that I wrote, one of the number one things that we deal with in terms of destroying the whole concept of procrastination is do what brings you joy and structure so that the things that you don't enjoy, which are the things that you run away from, as far as possible, find other people who do pull joy from it and get them to do it. So that's awesome. And uh, I just thought of it as a business opportunity. So I, uh, the rest of the parameter around that was you could literally have a website. It's, okay, after you read my book, these, you can do this. And mm -hmm. have, you could have podcast teaching moments <laughs> <laughs> for individuals to do the same thing. Because I can tell you from experience, it's awesome once you get there. Mm -hmm. It's like you're going, is somebody going to stop me soon? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the funny thing, Tom? We're yeah. really looking at the Dreamer, the Dreamer, the Dreamer Network app. Which oh, very. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, very cool. what that is is um, you put your blurb, yeah. your bio, yeah, your manifesto, your statement, your mission statement. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You then put the places where you are physically or that you can work with people on, 
and then the areas that you work with so it might be web design it might be graphic design it might be branding it might be strategy development it might be event management it might be podcasting whatever so then i can literally go on the app and say do you know what uh, in order to make my dream happen i need web developers in alaska alaska yeah. web developer and then you literally flick through look at the it's not going to be essays very short flick through flick through and then you just connect with them. you don't connect through the app you use an app to connect to the people so my profile would have my manifesto it would have time management it would have public speaking it would have uh, motivation life coaching for example and it will show north america um uae um uk and europe the places that i am and then I would have like my email address, I'd have my social media and the people just connect with me. Okay. You know, I'm going to tweet him or I'm going to yeah. like him on Facebook, connect with him on Facebook. And that's what we're doing. So exactly what you've thought of, which is synergy again, sort of part of it. Yeah. There's something, there's a tendon spirits. We can talk about that another time. <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, there's a whole list of things there that are going on that, that human beings are privy to right out of the shoot. You have to work at understanding what's going on there. But yeah, it's synergy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I, you know, I can pontificate about Alaska, but instead of doing that, it's much more interesting talking about um, uh, the general state of human beings and yeah. uh, what possibilities are. Can you imagine what happens if we had 8 billion people all going in the same direction? And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, and it's good one. I mean, even if you want to get scriptural on it, biblical, it said, you know, wherever two or two or more are gathered, is it yes. a focus of energy? I mean, even one person focusing their energy on a zero point. Yeah, the amount of focus and energy that comes from it and the results that can be um, that can can come from that is ridiculous. When you get two people, I mean, look at yeah. Taggart's book, the whole circle of eight thing. Yeah, we use for obviously we use it with coherence healing. We use it with in terms of manifesting things as a group which is amazing. And that's even where the, the bastardized version of it becomes the whole power of, of group prayer, for example, in religion, where actually everyone's just focusing their energy on one thing with positive intent, with love. And that's what literally creates it and sprouts it. So like, you're right. As soon as you get bigger and bigger critical mass sure. of that in one direction, I mean, look at the whole 1 million meditators thing. Yes. Which I belong to. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm an ambassador now as well. It's awesome. And what's really fascinating is that um, if you take what human beings really want, people want to be loved. And, you know, and, and if you, <laughs> so all of a sudden you get people that are loved and you're loved back ongoingly and you get that impression. There's people that have sent me love and energy. I've never physically met them. I remember you thought about that the other day. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's cool. And it's, it's like, and then all this struggle to be liked and be loved and do all these things to have this. And I've got to have this first and I've got to have that first. Well, that's all bullshit. You can just do it right now. Of course. Yeah. I mean, time, time. I mean, people look at these cliches like time's an illusion. We're all connected. Actually, science is saying these aren't cliches. These are, these are facts. These are No. As after you have it happen a few times, you go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, so somebody pings, or pings you. Somebody... Uh, sends you love and intention and it opens up your heart center and you can feel it hit and you mm -hmm. go wow mm -hmm. and then a couple of people do it and you go wow <laughs> I, I did it to some of our i did it ongoingly one at a time to all the people in our group i just mm -hmm. 
And yeah. the only issue with that is it's not an issue. This is not an issue is that everyone in the group gets so much love from everyone all the time, but they can never really tell who's sending it. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And it, and it happens to me probably at least once a day, sometimes mm. multiple times a day. Yeah. If I send it to somebody specific, there's some people I get bounced back from because they know who it's from and they send it right back. <laughs> That's really cool as well. And, and it just, it doesn't knock you off your feet. I was a little concerned about that. But anyway, uh, because I've had some really cool events, I was walking along one time, I was out in nature, and I was doing a, a, a walking meditation, and I got to this bridge, and the sun was just right, and the field was just right, and I, someone we know really well said, said something, he says, oh no, here it comes again, <laughs> grab the handle of the bridge. <laughs> and the short stand as an EMT, I knew they'd fill me full of antipsychotics and take me to the hospital if they found me because I started vibrating while I was saying, <laughs> and I was laughing. It looked like it was totally stoned. <laughs> you know what's really cool? I've actually, um, because for me, um, a lot of the more esoteric y sort of um, new agey element of, of some of the, the spiritual patches that we're both, we both do it wasn't the reason why I ended up getting involved with meditation. I actually got involved with meditation because I realized that it would be a great tool to get what I want. <laughs> so, oh, that's legit. I can, sure. I can create stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to do that. And then over time, as I become more immersed in it and the, the whole thing of loving energy, being part of a tribe of people that you know, love and care for each other, the shift has happened. And as that shift has happened and I've become more open to that side of things, even little things like I now get into a vibrational state. Hang on. Upstairs. Lori's upstairs. Shout. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> um, I actually now keep slipping into a vibrational state, like a deep vibrational state where like my heart center just goes and then my whole body just starts shaking, and quaking and vibrating. I, I get that, especially just before I go to sleep when like my brain's completely shut off and I'm ready to go into sort of like sleeping mode, my whole body just starts going. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Like I just start feeling like this. Sometimes it comes in. So when it first, first started, I get like little quick zaps of it. It's like, mm, okay, whatever. And then as I settled into it, it started to prolong for longer periods of time, longer, longer periods of time. So I'm getting really used to just letting it stay. And now I find that any time I sort of sort of close my eyes and take a deep breath and just sort of intently shift my energy back into my heart center. Um, yeah, there it is. Yeah, like that. I can slip straight into it now, and it's it's it just feels really good. Yes, it does. <laughs> it just feels really really good. And then you can take that and you can fill up with the energy, and then you can pass it on. Yeah. Boom. You well, and, and, and flicking it around, it's such good stuff. It is. And people send you love and, and, and energy all the time. I, I, I know they do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of these people. <laughs> and really, people, it's just, it's phenomenal. Mm. And so all of a sudden, uh, if everyone is loved and everyone is, and has access to it all the time, mm -hmm. a lot of problems go away. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Like most of them. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I was going to say, though, there's some conversations that we've had that I just wanted to just touch on just to bring a bit of interestingness to it. 
And that's um, when you first started heading down to Argentina to go and drink the wine. Yeah. Oh. So uh, are you talking about why I was drawn there? Yeah, just like you just, because nobody just wakes up from Alaska down to Argentina. It's not like a little trip. It's a, it, it's not, there's other wine places on the way to Argentina. Well, I was drawn to it and it, it, it's simply a, a past life thing. And, and which you would understand. And yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm a Buddhist, but mm. I'm a bad Buddhist. And I've, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I've told several teachers this, and they always give me that same expression. They laugh at me yeah. and they go, we're all bad Buddhists, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a practice. It's not really a religion, which is of why. Course. Of course. And, <laughs> and so it's a past life thing. And I have this fundamental solid connection with Argentina mm. and it is like going home and I, I have the same I have the same feelings when I step into the bush in Alaska or when I'm in Patagonia with a glass of nice Malbec in my hand and I'm sitting out on the veranda and there's a little ranch down there that I love and we go there all the time and you walk over the bloody into this high alpine valley into the next village and it's just freaking gorgeous and it just hits it lights up my heart center and i just i get all just not a, it's a fundamental strong connection and i'm not going to get too new agey and weird on you but <laughs> god bless him but that is a strong connection and i can be in buenos aires in at three o'clock in the morning looking for a restaurant i'm completely comfortable yeah and i don't like big cities mm-hmm. but i can go into ba i can walk into the restaurant Hola, chicos. I just have such a great time there. And, and my wife, my wife, she likes it, but she doesn't love it. I love it. And, and she like goes with me because it's like, you know, the people there, they're not drawn. They're like, it's like I'm one of them. And people would walk up to me and speak Spanish. My Spanish is heavily accented. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I sound like an American when I speak Spanish. And yeah. so, so it's fine. They deal with that just fine. They laugh and giggle. And pretty soon we're showing each other pictures of our kids. And, you know, I'm having dinner and I got 10 new friends. And it's just, it's got a great time. It's, it's a connection. It's a fundamental connection. I've talked to other people in this work. And that have had fundamental connections in very different places. A lady from uh, the North Africa, and uh, I won't mention her name, but she she has a fundamental connection with Hawaii. She said she went to the Big Island, Hawaii, and she's like she'd lived there her whole life. I said really, and then we talked about that. And I said I have that with Argentina, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I just love the place. And there's a couple of places that I go there uh, that are. <clears throat> I don't know why, but I, I do know I have a strong draw there. And there's this rec- there's a couple of restaurants in Berlochi. And for whatever reason, the uh, proprietors have befriended me. <laughs> and so I walk into the place and they go, stop. <laughs> so I walk in and one of these places, is, this guy has the, the grill, trans- the, the name of the restaurant transcend English is Tony's Grill. Okay. Now, Tony's a big, heavy set Italian guy. I mean, and he can cook a steak. Wow. <laughs> and, 
And I go in, I give him a hug, and he gives me a steak and pours me a big pile of Malbec, and we're talking. <laughs> and I haven't been there in two years, but I know if I go there this this next winter, same thing will happen. Done. <laughs> and it's just, I love the place. Anyway, I have a connection there. I think um, I, I've had places, I think the first time I went to Sierra Leone, I built it there. But now I do I do a lot of sort of the philanthropy stuff that we do is, is out of Sierra Leone now. I've um, got very, very strong connections there. Um, interestingly, I didn't have it. I, it's not something that I felt um, with my, my parents' home country of Zimbabwe. I've not really ever had it there, interestingly enough. Huh. Um, I've had it in, um, whenever I'm around the Mediterranean, I always have it really, really, really strong. Anywhere. Of course around the mediterranean italy is probably very strong yeah so um <laughs> that's, where, that's where i'm going on friday um yeah um where else have i had it um i get it in the middle east yeah yeah um and i had where it very strong in asia um so in the middle east i only really spend a lot of time in um the uae in the mm -hmm. middle um I'm there a hell of a lot. Um, and there, yeah, I, I get it. I've, I've always had it from, from minute one from there, wow. just being around the, the Persian Gulf. But I feel really good near water. Whenever I'm near water, I feel like a, a weird, really deep sense of, of comfort. Sure. Um, so as far as possible, I've generally tried to live near water as far as possible. Um, well, once upon a time, you were a, you were a sailor. That makes sense then. <laughs> so, so our connection, your and I connect, your and I's connection, goes back a long time. Of and, and, and one of the connections was, I, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, but you knew my my wife in a previous life, mm -hmm. and and it's like she'll seem familiar if you're around her energy enough. She's got a kind of a quiet, reserved energy, but she has a lot more mystical experiences than I do, but she doesn't talk about them. Really? I have to, yeah, I have to pry them out of her. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, she doesn't, she doesn't believe in past lives, but it doesn't matter. I do. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I saw very clearly you and I, and she, along with a lot of other guys, a lot of other people, we're sailing on a ship, and I think we were Phoenicians at the time. And I don't, again, I don't want to get too new yet, aging. Of course, of course. But, but um, it was several millennia ago, so several thousand years ago, and we were coming around the Horn of Africa. And I remember it was a sunny day, and life was good. And it was, for, for some reason, that fixed in my long term memory there. It was, uh, mm -hmm. see, you were laughing. She was worried about something, and I was laughing my ass off, and we were having a great time. I don't remember what it was. And we had just done some trade with a deal somewhere. And then, mm -hmm. I am actually thinking about getting um, someone on the podcast that, that, that deals with um, past life regression or something like that. I think yeah, that would be fascinating. Fascinating. Would be really, 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 really interesting, because I hadn't actually thought about it until we spoke. But then when I spoke to you, it felt like it didn't feel out there at all. Like, even as you're talking now, it's very, very comfortable. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a level of familiarity with it. 
um, which I wouldn't have expected considering it's not something I've ever really considered to accept, if that makes sense. And in fact, traditionally in terms of my upbringing, it's something that I should actually be like, oh no, oh no. But I, I've literally been trained that it should be an uncomfortable concept, whereas actually it's a very comfortable concept for me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we did some other things too, but I, I, and I don't know, it's, uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that um, as I become more awakened, um, uh, the focus, my focus on things hasn't changed so much as I just become more aware. Mm. So when I get close, physically close to someone and then I hug them, if, if I have any connection with them, it usually pops up and it's like somebody grabs me and says, this this and this is why you're connected to that person. Mm. And, and sometimes it doesn't really make any sense uh, because some people I very, feel very connected to, but I don't get any, I don't have any long, it, there's nothing long-term that comes up. But yeah. for you, it came up very strong and it was, it's multiple things. Mm. And because uh, it was literally the world. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to put out, I'm going to put it out there. Um, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I may even do it live, I'll record it and just see what happens, record the whole session with them and just see what comes out of it. I think that would be really, really interesting. Yeah, I, and I, there's a couple of things. I, uh, when I was in Nepal last year, I, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was the Hindus, it's mostly a Hindu country, are really easy to relate to once you've done this work and you're interested in past lives. Mm-hmm. And they also have this extraordinary sense of humor and the people I, were, I was dealing with were extremely intelligent mm-hmm. and they were not above giving me a hard time about just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, da 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 and past lives. I said, oh yeah, yeah. You were Vishnu and then you started giving, you know who Vishnu is? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the God of Justice and like that and he yeah. cleanses you. And you can die whenever. And she was, she was, she had a twinkle. She was a, had a PhD in economics, and she was teaching. She was running a school for little girls. Oh, the school. Yeah, because don't forget, I need to get the information from you on that because I want to put it on the new website. Oh, little sisters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a. That's I definitely a, want to spread the message about little sisters, and I think. Very cool. In fact, I'm going to make a note that underneath the, this episode, I'm going to put the information about it as well. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I'll just send you a link. I'll yeah. send you a link. Very yeah, cool. that's why I'm going to put that underneath the podcast as well. Anyway, they were very, very fun to talk to and awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I've been, this is my second marriage. And so they said, oh, you've got two wives because that's the way they look at it. <laughs> and she said, well, there are two women here that are, don't have husbands. You could marry them. <laughs> you no, know, it was, you know, something I wouldn't do. But <laughs> sitting there, she was laughing. She thought that was funny because the school is run by women, and all the assistants are women. Yeah, there's one guy in the mix, and they just they get along really well, and they're very funny and charming people, and they're up to something really good. And anyway, yeah, I lovable, really, lovable people. I really love what you tell me about the project down there, and I definitely yeah. want to involve. What other projects are you interested in? I mean, in terms of, of uh, charities and helping people? Well, I'm, so for me, I, I basically, I live by a principle called entrepreneurial philanthropy in so much as that I believe that the traditional way of charity of just giving to people is destructive because it, it discourages growth and it discourages self Exactly. Yeah. So everything that I'm generally involved in, in terms of philanthropy, we go into a project, we go into an area, and we literally have 
value creating enterprise which creates jobs uh, awesome. encourage education for the next generation so the next generation can come and innovate on top of what's there already not just sort of come in and doing an apprenticeship no they come in and bring innovation and bring in fresh ideas and fresh blood so that it can go off and do its own thing but at the same time we look at um people's strengths and um, and callings so you'll have a kid that's going to be great at maths let's give them the tools that they can be the best mathematician that mathematics can support what's happening here and may also support other things and also that, that, that they do something joyful so a lot a lot of the projects that i've been heavily involved with at the moment because i've been diverting 10 percent of my earnings goes into these projects has been um food production in sierra leone reason being i've joined up with some local people some local guys we lease the land we buy the land we've, we've been accumulating um a lot of land which we plant on so part of the money for example buying the seeds buying the equipment we then get people working on it a lot of the youth that are unemployed we get them working on the land learning work ethic because there's because of the civil war there's a whole generation of kids that haven't learned work ethic because you had a lot of people left and then everyone that was left in the country they were just trying to survive so the kids are sort of my age and sort of 10 years younger all they knew was learning to survive they weren't taught about going out and getting a job and you know right. adding value and creating value so we're training uh, a culture of value creation knowing that in a couple of generations we'll have innovators we'll have a solid educational basis basin also Sierra Leone imports a lot of its food which is crazy because it's got so much arable land but because everyone was looking for the quick fix of mining um, agriculture has been neglected so we're again bringing skills and teaching the skills of agriculture so it's more dependent as a nation as well uh, and we're now we've been invited to do some stuff next door in, in the Republic of Guinea as well so the whole thing is it's easy to be philosophical on a full stomach right so we're looking at primary thing food food from that enterprise which is providing jobs which means that you can actually look after yourself if you can look after yourself and feed yourself then you can think about education because thinking about wanting to do quantum quadratic equations when there's no food on the table is completely pointless so yeah. when the first generation of what we're doing now so it's very much about accumulating as much partnerships with people with land as possible planting as much as we can employing as many as we can and teaching them about um, money management teaching them about ensuring that the, the next generation of kids witness and see what work ethic is about but also have the education so that they're not tied to uh, um, a destiny of needing to do the same work oh. they're not tied to needing to do the exact same work but they have the option to do that but then they have the education to go and make other choices as well and not feeling that they have to run away to America or run away to England in order to have choices, understanding that they have choices locally as well. So we're looking at reversing the brain drain. So very early stages. Um, I've been going out to Sierra Leone since 2012. So it's huh? six years of doing that, building really great government relationships um, and building up on that. And they were building up. So that's a lot of stuff I'm hands on involved in. Um, but aside from that, there's things that ties into that, right? So. Mm -hmm the whole point of it's almost become a pilot program for me learning what works what doesn't work getting a viable model so you know by the time i've been doing this for 10 years i can go to another country and say look here's what we did here mm -hmm. this is the model we'd like to bring to your country you've got great manufacturing or great mineral resources rather than you bringing in outside companies who are just going to give you some tax revenue if they give you any at all let us come in we're going to bring in skills, skilled um, oversight. We'll bring in the technology. We'll train your local people. 
then we'll set up schools as part of what we're doing so that the kids of the people that are working in our enterprises can get a proper education and have some choices and we'll kick you back proper tax revenues back to the to the government as well but also actually create jobs locally help build up because everything that that goes in i'm not taking a penny of it out everything goes right back into doing more and more projects so i want that to be my legacy so that when i do pass away anything that is left is all going back into the same mission of more hubs and pockets um, and we'll see where, where we go with that that's a great idea that's a great idea yeah, so People when you see philanthropist on my lo- on my bio that's what it is it's it's entrepreneurship however it's not for value creation for me it's to put back in with a philanthropic philanthropic um mission behind it philanthropic intent self-sufficient philanthropic mission. yeah yeah that's it very, very cool very cool Starting to sound more and more like a libertarian. I knew I'd rub off. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have to run off because I've got I do have another call cover, but um it's been great chilling with you as always. Um this is a cool guy. There's some great energy that I knew that was gonna come off of this and I'm anything really, so was that sorry? Anything you need, just holler. And um uh, if you want to bounce ideas off somebody, uh some old crazy guy in Alaska. Feel free. <laughs> oh, it was, it was really looking forward to drinking some wine with you and also coming out to nature. Like I said, July, we've booked out the whole of July to come and spend some time in Alaska with you. Um, awesome. So I think I've got an event at the beginning of July, but that's in New York. So the plan is we'll fly into New York, do that event, and then dot across to you. Okay. Okay. That's a long haul. <laughs> Alaska is like seven or eight times as big as Great Britain. Yeah, I know that much. I know east to west, coast to coast is ridiculous. And when you're going coast to coast plus up an angle, yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting one. We we may end up having to stop off on the other coast as well, but we'll see how okay. we go. We'll see how we go. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you, you, you too, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed my little chat with my good friend Tom. We're gonna to pop some information uh, in the description of this podcast. So you can find out more about the, the, the charitable work that he's, he's involved in. Uh, by the time this comes out, there actually may be more information on my site too, dreamwithdan.com, www.dreamwithdan.com. Tune in next week where we'll have another inspirational guest. There's going to be some more episodes coming out in the week. Tune on on Friday for my Q&A session with my good friend Emily too. Thanks for taking part. Uh, thanks for your energy. And Tom, thanks again for your time, big guy. Yes. Oh, my pleasure. This was fun. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.dreamwithdan.com for updates for more exclusive content. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.